This is the Biz News Podcast, one-on-one conversations with experts in business and personal development. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought deep changes to many businesses and not just the obvious things like curbside meal pickups instead of inside dining. That's according to a researcher who interviewed 140 chief executive officers from some of the biggest and some of the smallest companies about how the pandemic has changed their leadership. He's best-selling author Joseph Michelli. For our uh, audience that hasn't uh, benefited by listening to our previous podcast with you, would you tell them a little bit about your background? Sure. I'm uh, a customer experience uh, professional. I have a PhD in organizational psychology from USC and have worked with some amazing leaders at crazy, wonderful brands like Starbucks, Mercedes-Benz, Ritz-Carlton, and the like. Now, you have come out with a a new book, uh, perfect for this time of our lives, I'm afraid, Stronger Through Adversity. And you have talked to uh, business executives and others who are battling the COVID-19 crisis in terms of running their companies. Can you give us first an overview of what you've uh, discovered from all of those interviews? Yeah, I was actively consulting and working on a book about Godiva chocolate when everything got paused and I was unable to travel and do some of the research. And I was talking to other of my clients and was on task forces for COVID-19. And in the context of that, I started watching leaders really anguish about how they were going to deal with furloughs or keeping the lights on and keeping people safe keeping customers wanting to come to their establishment. So as a result of that, I reached out to my colleagues and just listened uh, and kind of understood what their angst was and what they were trying to do. And they introduced me to other colleagues of theirs. And before you know it, 140 senior leaders from companies like Microsoft and Google and uh, you know Hans, Hans Vestberg, CEO of Verizon, or Brian Cornell, CEO of Target, they all were kind enough to give their time for this book. We're donating a portion of it back to direct relief to help those who are on the front lines Uh, with this crisis, really what we heard was a a kind of shift to humility, a shift to vulnerability, uh, a shift to increased focus on safety. It was a real interesting set of learnings, and we try to capture them all in the context of the new book. A a shift to humility? And you're talking to CEOs uh, for whom humility is not necessarily in their wheelhouse. How did that happen? Uh, just a simple example is, uh, you know, from Farmers Insurance, dun, 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 the, you know, the, the big insurance company, the, Jeff Daly is their CEO. And he said to me, you know, his people came to him and said, look, we know that there are going to be less accidents during this period, less people are driving. We could reduce premiums to our, you know, our premium holders right now. Uh, and Jeff said, you know, that was really good counsel from them. But I elected to reserve, hold some of that money in reserve because we just didn't know how long this was going to go on. I was really worried. He said the next week USAA came out with a reduction to their policyholders, and he should have listened to his people. Now, that, he, they were a fast follower uh, in terms of USAA, uh, but the very candor of a CEO to say, I had so many competing needs going on, and I went with one, and in retrospect, I wish I'd have gone with the other, but we were able to not do any permanent damage by, by that little misstep. Of all the people you talked to, 140 people, what did you learn that you just came at it at you from left field? 
You know, I never thought of leadership like uh, wild horses, but uh, I got this metaphor in my conversation. You know, a wild horse herd has an alpha mare and it has, it has an alpha sire. The mare is out front, the sire is in the back, and in the middle of the pack are a bunch of leaders who shape the behavior of the herd. And what I really heard, what I, what I experienced from leaders was that sometimes they needed to be out front like the alpha mare and saying, we're taking that hill, I know it's scary, stay with me. Some of the time they needed to be back with their teams and to say, okay, I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm not asking you to do anything I wouldn't do. And then the final group were kind of saying, at times I just needed to say, I trust you. I empower you. We need to act quickly, make the best decisions, keep our values at heart. And so I hadn't really thought about leading from the front, middle, and back, but I certainly got that perspective from the leaders I talked to. Well, certainly I have never heard that about wild horses. Uh, not too many of them around here, I, th I guess, although you never know some days. Uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, the choices they have to make, save the company or, or, uh, or what? How, how are they making those choices besides listening to their people? Are they listening to their stockholders, their boards, their bankers, people to whom they owe a lot of money? You know, I think at the end of the day, we heard, you know, all the time, there's always which stakeholder is most important, like which came first, the customer or the employee. And there's a lot of those debates and Richard, Richard Branson sides with the employee and you know, Jeff Bezos sides with the customer. In this time, I saw more people focused on their immediate team members, the people they had the deepest relationship with. They felt that they could love, nurture and make the best choices they could for them. Sometimes that meant furlough in order to keep the company going so they had jobs later, but generally just kind of focused on the people who brought you to the dance. Then if I could hold on to the best of that talent, nurture, love them, keep them safe, they would give extra effort in a time of crisis to follow me over the hill. So I saw a greater shift toward an employee-centric or what I called employee-obsessed mindset among leaders during the crisis. How long do you think that's going to last after COVID-19 becomes something in the rearview mirror? Yeah, I can't wait for us to say it's something in the rearview mirror from your lips to God's ears, right? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know how any much of any of this is going to last. I think, you know, how much is curbside pickup going to last? How much is cashless delivery going to last? My hunch is a lot of this is going to last because even though we didn't want it, we hadn't asked for it, out of necessity, people pivoted to it. We got a taste of what it's like to not have to go in and stand in line or pull cash out of our wallet to pay. Uh, the same is true with employee experiences. I think you're going to see a lot of people working from home that didn't work from home before. The reason they weren't working from home before is people didn't know how to lead them from home before uh, and were afraid of productivity de decreases. So as long as product productivity stays up, I think you're going to see a changed workforce and a changed customer experience. Those managers who always like to count the noses every morning sitting in the cubicles, I suspect they've had to go through a rethink of a bit. I can count your nose right now, even though we're not sitting in cubicles across from each other. I think it's less important to count the noses and count the work product. There are managers who had people sitting right next to them and those people weren't doing anything and, and they felt comfortable having them near them, even though they were, you know, they were playing poker on their computer. Um, really, the key is to manage productivity uh, and inspire people. And, and when it comes to adjusting to this, it hit people almost like a total surprise back in March. Uh, were there any of the executives you talked to 
uh, who's told you that, no, we saw this coming back in February or January and we're already preparing for it? Or did the, was this a mad scramble for the lifeboat deck? So remember, I had more than 140 of them that I talked to. So here's the number. Are you ready? There it is. Zero right there. Had, you know, I mean, people talked about contingency plans and crisis management plans and all of that. Uh, they had on their roadmap increased digitalization so that we can have more of a mobile relationship with our customer. Uh, they expedited those roadmaps quickly. But I think that the, Michael, the Mike Tyson, former heavyweight champion quote of everybody has a plan until they're punched in the face. I mean, I think whatever plans they had had to be altered by the face punch that everyone took. Um, so I, I think anybody who would have told me that they had this thing figured out in advance is lying because they would have created products that would have protected us from this in the first place. In, in the book, what do you think will carry on and become just a matter of routine in the future? Yeah, I think that we will have a world that is technology aided and human powered. That's it. By that, I mean, we're going to be giving people choices throughout their journey to choose technology. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with you. I just want to push a button. We're going to give you that choice. But if I want to deal with you as a person, I'll also have the choice to do that. Maybe I'll do it virtually. Maybe I'll do it face to face. There will be people and technology. And I, as the consumer, will always have a choice which do I choose? And if I opt human, I expect really warm, loving, caring, compassionate, kind people. And if I, if I opt technology, I expect them to work, make my life convenient, and not have to reach out to a person to help me get through the problem of the technology. So obviously, there's a learning curve or five ahead of us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well put. <laughs> what has been the reaction to the book, Joseph? Well, we are just launching. So you're one of my first programs. You know, I'm like so excited to talk to you again that I said yes to you when you said. So uh, we'll be out in December. People can pre-purchase the book right now, though. They can go to strongerthroughadversity.com, strongerthroughadversity.com. And in through the middle of December, uh, up to Christmas time when the book launches, uh, a little before Christmas, they can get a 40% discount by going to that website because we're spending time together today. And where can they get more information about your services? You can, you can go to that strongerthroughadversity.com. It links to my webpage, or you can go to josephmichelli.com as well. You've been listening to the Biz News Podcast. We welcome your input. Send your email to editor at biznews.com. That's B-I-Z-G-N-U-S.com. Thanks for listening.